0: We're moving into our interview with uh, Shilpa Joshi. We'll be talking about uh, climate change and an innovative uh, solution to climate change called the Clean Energy Jobs, also a bill in the Oregon legislature uh, basically called the Clean Energy Bill. Uh, Steve's going to tell us a little bit about Shilpa, and then we'll jump into our interview. Shilpa Joshi is is the coalition director for Renew Oregon. Before joining Renew, Shelpa led and won a campaign to ban fracking in Maryland and Chesa- with the Chesapeake Bay Climate Action Network. She also served as the co-chair for the Power Shift 2013, a youth environmental justice conference which drew thousands of young people to Pittsburgh. She has helped organize state and national coalition spaces for the environmental issues, for over five years, she she earned her bachelor's in international environment policy from American University. She's been a busy young lady, and welcome to the West Coast. Todd, we wanted to talk to you about the clean energy jobs. I guess both a both a concept and and a bill in the Oregon legislature. Before we get into the details of the clean energy jobs concept, can you set the stage a little bit for us? You know, what's the context for this, and what is it? How does this particular program address those issues
1: absolutely so the clean energy jobs bill is a legislation that came together to answer a basic question of responsibility so you and i as citizens are all familiar with uh paying to have our trash picked up so if we create trash in our homes or our businesses we have to pay the city or the municipality to come get it if we didn't do that there would be bags of trash everywhere it would turn into a big public health issue um Similarly, we now know that a handful of corporations are emitting all this trash, known as greenhouse gas emissions, into the atmosphere. What we have been told is if uh, you or I somehow emitted less greenhouse gas emissions by driving less or taking shorter showers, we wouldn't be in this mess called climate change. Uh, But we actually know now that just 100 companies around the world emit 71% of global greenhouse gas emissions annually. And if you scale that down to Oregon... one hundred of our largest polluters in our state emit eighty four percent of our greenhouse gas pollution. And so that's more than all of our houses, our cars, our businesses combined. And what that means is you have just a handful of companies playing an outsized role in creating this problem that we're all uh, enduring, called climate change, without any responsibility. They are not paying to have their trash picked up. So what this policy does is simple in its operation. It requires those 100 companies to start paying for their pollution by ton of greenhouse gas emissions. Now the price per ton starts relatively low, uh, when we will join the program in the year 2021 after this legislation passes this year. Uh, and then the overall amount of permits available starts shrinking over time and the total the the price per permit goes up. So what that does is it incentivizes companies to start reducing their pollution, switching to better technology in their factories, or starting to switch to renewable energy. And over time, what that also allows the state to do is start building a fund for investments back into our communities because what we already know is that Oregon is experiencing climate impacts. I mean, Bend is a perfect example of this. From less snowpack in the winter time to worse and worse summer conditions with drought and wildfires, folks in Central Oregon are struggling to find ways uh, to combat the impacts that their families are already feeling. So with this investment fund, we build better resiliency for our communities by having low income housing be safer for families to live in, whether they can be weatherized, they can uh, be more energy efficient, saving people money on their bills. Uh, we can install better irrigation systems all over Central Oregon in order to save farmers a ton of energy, water, and money uh, in the summertime to irrigate their fields. There's a ton of solar opportunity that we can start building across our state, and that creates jobs right in our in our neighborhoods, right in our communities that can't be outsourced. So, it's a it's a full circle approach to reducing our emissions in our state, but also an economic development bill, putting people back to work, and protecting against against the worst impacts of climate change that we're already feeling.
0: All right. So thank you very much for that uh, detailed uh, summary. I'm wondering if we can sort of uh, move back in and go and sort of examine that a little bit. Um, You said that 84% of greenhouse gases in Oregon are emitted by... um, Roughly 100 companies. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry about that. I I lost my, my percentages and my numbers so That's- yeah um what there is a threshold right it's twenty five thousand tons a year that before which right. any business so how would that affect, for example, you know and being here uh near and dear to our hearts or all of our uh brew pubs and uh, and and small question. breweries would would that impact any of them
1: not at all so twenty five thousand tons of greenhouse gases a year is. 183 rail cars of coal it's a lot of energy it's a lot of combustion and none of the breweries none of our small businesses in the state uh, our schools fall into that over that threshold so the companies that do fall over that threshold I can tell you are our major utilities our fossil fuel importers since we don't have refineries in the state we import all of our fuel and major industrial activity. So we're talking concrete, pulp and paper, food processing, really, really big emitters. So brew pubs, small businesses, schools, your personal car, your home uh, are not impacted by this program.
0: Okay. And I I guess another question some people might have looking at something like this is if for these companies the cost of doing businesses goes up a little bit by having to buy these permits to – emit greenhouse gases, that'll be passed on to consumers in the, term, in, in the form of higher prices. Are there any mechanisms to ameliorate that or, or deal with that in any way?
1: Absolutely. So in the bill, uh, the legislators that have been working on this bill have taken a really close look at which of those companies are really on thin profit margins uh, because it's more important for us to be- make sure that we're keeping the jobs that are in our state and keeping companies in our state to help them reduce pollution over time, uh, then pass a policy on them that would require would leave them with no choice but to close up shop and leave the state. Right, we lose the ability, we lose the jobs, which is first and foremost a terrible thing. But we also um, lose the ability to make those companies more energy efficient. And so, what this program does is grant free allowances or those permits that I talked about to sell those permits. Uh, these companies get a chunk of free allowances or free permits in the first few years of the program. Um, They'll still have to be counting their emissions and reporting that information to the Department of Environmental Quality and the Legislature, but what that shows the company is that over time they can start penciling in the, the financial aspects of this program, and it's a, a small slope, uh, it's a more gentle slope for them to be joining into the program than, say, uh, major fossil fuel companies like British Petroleum and Exxon that uh, do bring a lot of fuel into our state, but we also know have uh, incredibly deep pockets and big profit margins so that they can
0: accommodate for something like this. All right, and this is a bit of a nerdy question, but it's one that pops into my head. And I know we—I know there's a very technical answer that we don't want to get into, but how are the tons of climate pollutants a company emits determined?
1: So the Department of Environmental Quality has been monitoring uh, for several decades now uh, the amount of pollution that comes off of our industrial processes. Uh, so that you can measure that at the smokestack, uh, it's been measuring how much pollution is created from every gallon of oil or gas we burn uh, and there's a a pretty strong industry standard about every you know barrel of oil equaling this amount of greenhouse gas pollution and so that's how we count for the fossil fuel importers you know what their impact is for for pollution in the state and then our utilities too for utilities that uh, are providing electricity to our homes and businesses using fossil fuels, so coal, oil, natural gas. There's also an equation that DEQ has done over time to show uh, what the impact of uh, that megawatts, you know, that we use in our state looks like from a pollution perspective. So for the utilities, for the fossil fuel importers, for the industrial emitters, uh, our agency has got it down to a really great science and has been monitoring that for several decades. You know, we have, without a shadow of a doubt, know what, what amount of emissions is coming off of those three major polluters in our state.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. Yeah, the Clean Air Act has been in a place since, I think, 1970 or 1972. I can't remember exactly which. So I guess there are. It's been a long time, but plenty of time to come up with those methods. So right. another quick question. Is Oregon Would Oregon be the first state to implement this kind of program?
1: No, actually. So California implemented this program uh, over 10 years ago. Uh, and the two provinces in Canada, Quebec and Ontario, are have adopted similar programs in the last decade, and they're all joined together in something called the Western Climate Initiative. It is a nonprofit organization that helps with the uh, permitting and auction and the sale of these permits. Um, so it's a uh, it's an incre- incredible tool for our state agencies because it provides uh, a lot of that support in implementing the program. Uh, we also have a lot of lessons learned, you know, from a Policy-making perspectives from those uh, areas. Uh, admittedly, California, much bigger economy, much bigger population, much more pollution. Uh, and one of the, the great things we were able to see from California is California, as a standalone, is the sixth largest economy in the world. And if they were able to implement this program, uh, and they have seen gas prices fall in the five years after the program came online. They had no impact on their electricity rates, no impact on their food prices. Their agricultural industry has grown in the last 10 years from a $10 billion industry to a $20 billion industry. If we're able to see all all of that growth while prices have stayed stable for folks, uh, I think that's a, a pretty great sign for Oregon. Of course, we are taking into account that we are a unique state. We have a lot of agricultural land. We have a lot of timber. We have a lot of natural resources and rural areas, and it's important to just not adopt a program whole hog, but that's what we've spent years developing is to make it a really Oregon-specific plan.
0: All right, thank you. We're speaking with Shilpa Joshi of Renew Oregon about the clean energy jobs approach to um, climate change and reducing greenhouse gas pollution. We're going to take just a quick break, uh, to and then we'll come right back with Shilpa and get into a little bit of maybe some of the practical impacts how this how this uh, bill will help rural Oregon, which I know is near and dear to all of our hearts. So we are speaking with Shilpa Joshi of Renew Oregon about climate change, clean energy, jobs, concept, and how that how it all works. And uh, so Shilpa, can you let us know? I think my first kind of broad question is: How would this bill, if it were passed in the Oregon Legislature, affect people in their everyday lives?
1: So what we're hoping from the passage of this bill is, as I said before, to bring more opportunity for jobs and to bring better energy efficiency for families across the state uh, there's a lot of families that are struggling to uh... pay really exorbitant electricity bills right now and it's more often than not not because they can't afford it It's because something in their house is making their house really energy efficient inefficient so if we were to have a program that allowed for low-income families to install double-pane windows or better insulation or even fix, you know, thatch their roof properly, Um, what you're seeing is families are able to free up a lot of uh, financial resources that they would otherwise be sending to their energy bills to other things. We have a lot of opportunity for uh, irrigation modernization across central Oregon um, with summers getting hotter and hotter uh, and drought conditions worsening. Farmers need need an avenue to cover their irrigation canals uh and there's work being done already but we need more resources for it so that would be a great opportunity to save farmers a lot of water uh energy and ultimately money and put people to work right in their communities to do those projects uh there's also huge solar potential so we can install more solar across our sunniest part of the state we also are struggling with uh really big class sizes in Oregon and right now a a conversation is winding its way through the Oregon Legislature about how to reduce class sizes and bring more support staff into schools. Um, but one of the things that we know is, with wildfires and uh, uh, hotter summers, the start of the school year is often greatly impacted by wildfires and hot days. And our schools don't have the HVAC systems or um, the proper insulation to protect students and make sure that they have healthy, happy school days. And so this program could build, could provide school districts with a lot of opportunities to make uh, school buildings safer for kids to be in school on those really hot and really cold days in Central Oregon. And so uh, we're seeing a lot of wraparound benefits uh, for families and communities uh, coming out of this program.
0: All right. One of the things, we had a conversation before this interview, and one of the things you mentioned was this kind of nasty choice that schools have uh, I guess early in the school year when it's still really hot and we have a lot of smoke and so the school districts are faced with a choice of opening windows to cool it off or closing the windows and keeping the kids in these really hot buildings without um, air conditioning Uh, so I I don't know if you have a comment on that That, to me I just thought that was a another impact Um, and that the funding my understanding is the funding from from this bill could be used for things like that
1: absolutely so uh, one of the complaints that we—I um, was—I was speaking to a friend of mine who works at the um, Multnomah County Health Department, and one of the most jarring phone calls that they were getting was from teachers and principals at the beginning of the 2018-2019 school year, uh, where principals were grappling with this really tough problem. Uh, our schools in the Portland area don't have any mechanical airflow in the buildings, meaning no uh, air conditioning or heating, you know. There's no air movement within the buildings, and so they were faced with this tough problem. There was a ton of wildfire smoke outside, and it was very high temperatures inside. So they were struggling with: do we keep the windows shut um, because the indoor air quality is slightly better, but then kids are getting hotter and hotter in their desks, or do we open the windows and submit them to you know particulate matter and the air pollution from wildfires? And so when you're faced with this, you. the the answer that you can give is not short and sweet, right? You need a bigger sort of solution, and that's what this the Clean Energy Jobs Bill, HB 2020, that's what it provides, is it provides that that economic relief for school districts to be able to put people back to work uh, and make school buildings safer in extreme weather conditions, whether it's the extreme heat or the extreme cold, which Bend experiences both in our state. Uh, And so that's that's a great opportunity for uh, revitalizing our our aging school infrastructure uh, across the
0: state. And do you have an estimate uh, about how much this bill is anticipated to raise in in proceeds from the sales of these permits?
1: Yes. So the proceeds uh, in year one, if we were to pass the program this year, we have about two years of what's called rulemaking uh, where they iron out, all of the, the laws around it. Uh, in 2021, the program is slated to raise $550 million. That is a report that was done by the governor's office. And that for the first decade or so, that number will go up annually a little bit until our pollution starts tapering off, and then we'll see it level out.
0: All right. I have a question that seems in some ways like a fairness question, and I want to know if you can address it. The companies that exceed 25,000 tons of Climate pollution. They will have to pay for all of the climate pollution they they produce, right? Not just the amount over twenty five thousand tons, okay. right?
1: And, and that's yeah, and that's how we incentivize companies to reduce their pollution. So, uh, you know, there are a few companies that are sitting right at that threshold. They're maybe at twenty six or twenty seven thousand tons annually, and you can imagine they have a great incentive to reduce their pollution a couple thousand tons per year because it means that they can then drop out of the program and not have to pay for the full amount. The reason that we have these, we are holding the companies accountable to this, this full potential is because we recognize that there is a greater incentive than to reduce pollution uh, for those companies.
0: Great. So let's move to the the bill real quick. We've got a, about a minute and a half here. Where is this? Well, first of all, let, well, tell us the name of the bill. I mean, the uh, the number, the official, and then where is it in the legislative process right now?
1: So the bill has been uh, crafted by the, a special committee called the Joint Committee on Carbon Reduction, made up of uh, House and Senate members and Republicans and Democrats. It is uh, just working on amendments right now. There's a really strong amendment to ensure a 40% set-aside of that uh, $550 million that I talked about, uh, dedicated to rural Oregon, low-income communities, and we're really excited about that amendment so we're hoping for the bill to be passed out of this committee uh, and the next few weeks make its way to the house floor and the senate floor uh, and then hopefully uh, very soon here be signed by the governor
0: what are you what are you thinking of the prospects of it of it passing the house and the senate
1: i think they're strong there's been a lot of public support uh... we've done a lot of organizing across the state we've heard from a lot of folks uh... from all different walks of life that they're experiencing impacts that they want the support uh, that they care about uh keeping Oregon green and healthy, uh that we love our outdoor recreation industries and we want to make sure we're supporting them. And so there's been a, a ton of public support pouring into the building for the last three years, which has really galvanized the legislators to be passing a strong bill. And so we're just keeping that drumbeat going. Uh we feel like our chances are really strong. It's really important for legislators to hear from folks. Uh so if you want to send in a comment to your local representatives that are that are uh, in Salem right now, they'd love to, to hear from, they'd love to hear from you. They'd love to hear how you're excited about the bill. It's House Bill 2020, and the official title is the Oregon Climate Action Program. We call it the Clean Energy Jobs Bill.
0: Cl- Oregon Climate Action Program. That's great. So very, very quickly, if people want more information, where can they go to get it?
1: They can go to www.reneworegon.org. Okay, great.
0: Thank you very much for sharing all this uh, great and valuable information with our listeners.